You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Episode number 36 of that one time on tour is brought to you by rockabilia.com. Rockabilia.com has the largest selection of band merch you have ever seen. With over 500,000 unique items officially licensed by the bands, rockabilia.com has you covered. So head on over to rockabilia.com and at checkout put in the promo code PCTOTOT and it's going to save you 15% on your entire order. So if you need anything from your favorite band don't go to hot topic don't go anywhere else other than rockabilia.com ready for a head-bangingly good time dive into the world of heavy metal with the brutally delicious podcast here we don't just talk music we welcome you into our heavy metal family join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars we go beyond the typical interviews exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard metalhead or just curious, join our family and let the headbanging begin with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Hey, this is Scott from Zao and you're listening to That One Time on Tour. Hello and welcome to episode number 36 of that one time on tour. As always, I am your host, Chris Swinney, back with another stellar conversation with someone in or around the music industry. Thanks for checking out last week's episode with Sam King from the excellent Fat Records band Get Dead. I had a blast hanging out with Sam and uh, you guys liked it. I got a lot of really cool feedback from the episode, so thank you once again. On this week's episode, I get to sit down with Mr. Scott Mellinger from Zayo. Yes, the legendary Metalcore Kings, Zayo. They started out kind of in the Christian Metalcore scene, and they've, they've since kind of distanced themselves from that. We talk about that on the conversation, but uh, Scott was a great guy. We talk about gear. He's a big ESP fan, like I am as well. But uh, before I get to that, I do need to tell you guys, about some sponsors to the show. Uh, I always tell you about Rockabilia. They're awesome. Use our promo code PCTOTOT and uh, let them know that we sent you. Also, I want to tell you about Muncie Music Center. Uh, It's a great store here locally in Muncie, Indiana. They help me out with a lot of gear and all kinds of cool stuff. So check them out, MuncieMusic.com or 600 South Mulberry Street if you're local. I also need to tell you about Your Button Guy. Yes, Your Button Guy is an amazing guy. He makes buttons for the show. Uh, magnets for the show. So go check him out. He's on Instagram at your button guy, or you can hit him up at your button guy at gmail.com. Another wonderful sponsor we have is sticker wolf. They're still on. They did the logo for the show. They did some stickers for the show. So go check out stickerwolf.com, or you can hit them up on all of the social medias at sticker wolf. 
Okay, so that's out of the way. So now I am going to start reading a positive review from iTunes or Spotify or wherever I I call them from. And basically, here's the thing. If I read your review on the show, I'll send you a big cool swag bag of stuff from the show. We've got stickers, we've got shirts, we've got all kinds of cool stuff. It's a little incentive. It helps us out a lot. So go leave us a review. You don't have to tag us on Instagram or any of that stuff. You can, and I'll still send you stuff. But if I read your review on the show, I'm going to send you guys some free stuff. So right now I'm going to read one of my favorite reviews. I really like this one. This is from V Rob. And he says, I'm late to the podcast game. And I would actually say that I don't really listen to podcasts at all. Why, you might ask? Because I'd rather be rocking out to some good music than sit and listen to someone talk for hours. (laughs) But Chris is doing something different with that one time on tour. He gets guests from some great bands and fanboys out about all their touring and their backstory. It's a way more in-depth interview of these artists than you'll ever see from a fanzine-style website. I'm going back and listening to the episodes where I don't even know the artist or the band, and I'm still enjoying it. Thanks, Chris. Keep it up. Thank you, V-Rob. I really appreciate that. If you guys want to hear your review read on the show, you got to leave a review. That's the best way to do it. So head on over to Apple Podcasts. Uh, AKA iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, leave us a review, leave us a rating, and uh, maybe I'll read it on the show and I'll send you guys some free stuff. Uh, make sure you're checking us out on all of the social media platforms. It's at TOTOT Podcast. If you want to become a sponsor, let's say you have a band or you have a really cool company or whatever. If you want to become a sponsor, you have to hit me up and we'll figure it out. And you can get me at Gmail. It's TOTOTpodcast at gmail.com and uh, we'll figure everything out. I've got some amazing sponsors that have been on the show and are still on the show. And I really like the whole idea of, you know, helping bands out. My buddies Carusco, I, I used to say Carusco and they corrected me. They surprised me at work the other day. They were playing here in Muncie and they came into work and we hung out for a while. But they're a great band. They've sponsored the show numerous times. It's really, really cool. I, I love the bands that come and sponsor the show because hopefully some people are checking them out and and they're gaining new fans. But companies as well, like Merge 4 Socks and, and all these different companies that have come on board. I really appreciate it. You guys keep this thing going and it's it's really nice to have the support. And speaking of support, we do have our first patron. Now, I don't push the Patreon very hard because, you know, I tried it a couple of times and nobody really acted like they cared. So, uh we do have our first patron though. Uh I don't know his actual name. It's D Dubs. So, D Dubs, if you're out there listening, email me and I'll go ahead and give you another shout out when you tell me your real name. But uh, D-Dubs over on Patreon, he pledged $5 a month to help the show. So I want to give a shout out to D-Dubs. And uh, if you guys want to help the show out, if you like what you hear and you think it's worth something, you know, there are costs associated with doing the podcast. Go on over to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T podcast and you can pledge $5 a month. It's like a cup of coffee. It's like a good cup of coffee, like Starbucks or something, but, uh, it helps us out and, um, I would really, really appreciate it. And if you don't want to, the other way you can help is just leave us a review that helps as well. And, uh, I'm going to stop rambling right now and I'm going to let you get to why you came. You came here to listen to me talk to Scott. So here it is my conversation with Mr. Scott Mellinger from Zayo. 
And I'm on the line with Scott from Zayo. How are you doing today, Scott? I am good, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Dude, I appreciate it so much. Uh, your band, actually, I've, I've known about you guys for quite a while. Growing up in Indiana, there's quite, quite, a, quite a Christian hardcore metal scene <laughs> in Indiana, and you guys were kind of always at the forefront of it since I was in high school. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Indiana is definitely a place that we played a lot early on for sure. Yeah. I think you guys may have played some shows or know some of the same guys that I grew up with. Some of the guys in the band in the face of war. Yep. I remember that band. Absolutely. I'm trying to remember the dudes in it though. I think I saw you guys actually play with them at a skate park in Kokomo, Indiana. That kind of sounds familiar. I'm so terrible, but I, 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 I remember some of that like really early. I mean, Indiana was such a close enough, but like far enough to be like cool place to go for us. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, man, we'll get, uh, before we get into the questions, uh, you know, we just had Christmas new year's is new year's Eve is tomorrow. So how, how was your holidays? How's everything going, man? Oh, great, man. I have a 10 year old daughter. So even when I'm like the humbug jerk, I, uh, she definitely makes the Christmas time a little bit better for me. Um, but, uh, but you know, it was great, man. We actually, uh, one of the gifts that we were super excited about is like our whole like family, like me and my wife, daughter, even, and uh, my in-laws are like really in the ELO okay. <laughs> and they're, they're actually coming on tour to Pittsburgh for like the first time in 30 years. Wow. So yeah, Christmas was kind of, a. We all got tickets to the ELO concert, so it's pretty awesome. So you're you're in Pittsburgh now. I know that uh, Zayo, yep. for the most part, was in West Virginia, but you're out in Pennsylvania now. Yeah, like uh, it originated really, I mean, '93 in West Virginia, and it was uh, it was kind of based out of that area for probably three or four years. And then when Jesse kind of revamped the band with Dan and Russ, a lot of the guy and Brett, I guess, I'm sorry. Um, I always, I don't know why I do that, but so those three dudes, those three dudes were all from like our area, like Greensburg, Latrobe, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So, um, it kind of, I mean, I guess like I would say that it, because the bulk of the band was from here, we probably then assumed the Pittsburgh mantle, but, um, now everybody that's in the band is from Pittsburgh, but you know, Russ lives in California and Jeff actually lives in Brooklyn, New York. So we're a little spread out, but. I was watching the, uh, in preparation for this interview or I guess conversation, I don't like to call it interview, but, yeah. uh, but uh, I was watching on YouTube, your DVD, the Zayo DVD, where you guys are walking around the hometown and, and, uh, oh, yeah. and then looking at the statues and stuff. Yep. <laughs> it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Everybody looked a lot different than the pictures I see now. Oh yeah. We're, uh, that was probably what? 2005, 2005. Yeah. Everybody kind of, <laughs> you know, everybody back in the day, I mean, me included, you know, had the little like, uh, like sock hats on that had like the, oh, little, yeah. the bill and, and everybody kind of, you know, looked, I don't know what you want to call it scene or kind of warp toury. <laughs> yeah, that definitely kind of, even though people pretend to be their own person, like everybody else's, uh, thing everybody kind of you know you find something you like and and you, you steal it <laughs> yeah, totally so how old are you i didn't find that on the internet i'm i'm 40 i'm 40 as well dude we're 40 brothers awesome. yeah, i just we turned are, 40 in october i turned 40 in august well, that's so. that's great man <laughs> yeah yeah it's dude i, I it's crazy to me really because like 40 used to be a th- weird number to me but like I don't know what's going on. I don't know how maybe just 
culturally, but like, I, I feel like I'm still 20. Like I don't, I feel the same way, man. I've got, I've got two kids. I've got a, almost a three-year-old and a one-year-old daughter. And my, my son is almost three. And I felt like, man, I'm going to be such an old dad. I mean, you, you got a head start. You've got a 10 year old, you know, but I, yep. yeah. I had kids when I was 37. So I'm like, man, I'm going to be an old dad, but I still feel other than the occasional, like, you know, backache or something. Cause I am yeah. 40. Yep. I oh, feel, yeah. I feel like I'm 20. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the majority of my late teens and almost all of my twenties and thirties were spent on the road with a band. So I think I just stayed the age I was when I started touring. Well, you know what, too? I think a lot of it, even to break it down away from like, because, yeah, doing being in a band is such a cool, like young feeling thing. But I think what it is, too, is like when you're doing a band, you're kind of always on the go and always busy. So the more things you have to look forward to, we all grew up kind of like hustlers. So, you know, it's not like I can just like sit at a job for eight hours and be okay with everything. Like I'm always trying to do more stuff. Yeah. And I think that mentality coming from the band atmosphere really helps keep you young. Cause you're always like looking for the next thing or trying to do more. Like, you know, I never want to, I never just want to sit around, you know, we're all like, I have like four bands I do right now. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, no, <laughs> so I, to- like- I totally understand what you're saying because like for the last, I've, I, I moved back to Indiana about two years ago with my wife and my son. And then we had my daughter. But, uh, when, when I was, when I quit the Ataris and I, I wasn't touring anymore, I moved to Gulf Shores, Alabama. I've said this on the podcast a million times to mm-hmm. work, to work for the hangout music festival. I was doing artist relations for them. And oh, wow. I was down there working kind of, you know, corporate entertainment for about six or seven years. And I liked it, but I didn't like having a boss. I didn't, yeah. I didn't like, you know, working 90 hours a week, even though it was in entertainment and I was rubbing elbows with like, you know, Tom Petty and all these like crazy people, but I didn't, I liked the hustler mentality. So like we moved Mm -hmm. back, we moved back to Indiana and I started teaching guitar again, full time. I have a a music camp for kids and I'm doing the podcast. Uh, Like everything that I do is the hustle. Like you're talking about. And I like it better that way. I totally agree. Like I always like, I mean, and it, it also, there's something to be said for things you're doing for yourself and like your own thing. Like, yeah, having a boss is really tough. I think, I mean, but when you're doing stuff that like you can actually see betterment in your own life, even if that betterment isn't financially, you know, like I really feel like that's kind of what that, that's what drives me. Like I just, you know, I love, working with my friends and like us trying to make something out of things that people don't think you can make anything out of. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you know? So well, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I started this podcast just kind of because I love listening to podcasts and me too. <laughs> it's, it's taken off, man. It's crazy. And like, I've had really good mentoring from Dewey. I know you were on pure pleasure. Dewey's a good friend oh, of the yeah. show. Oh, he's a great guy. But Dewey and like, you know, Shane from Silverstein and all these guys, my career, they've kind of given me advice and told me kind mm-hmm. of how things work. And, this podcast thing, it's kind of the wild, wild west, man. I mean, everybody can have one and it's, I feel like it's that DIY thing of being, being in a band again, you know? Yep. Oh, absolutely. And too, like, I think all of us, like our age bracket, like it's really cool because we actually have things to say now, you know, yeah. we've been through it, man. We've like done it for 10, 15, 20 years. So we have we, I, I might hope we have some insights for people. So, well, that's the thing. And I, like, I talk about this almost every week, but I started this podcast because, you know, when you, I mean, you're kind of a, a different place, I guess, cause you have a, an older daughter. So maybe going mm-hmm. on tour is not as bad, but you know, I, I haven't been on an actual tour now for maybe eight, nine years. And 
I miss it. And I miss the camaraderie and, and like the fellowship with the people in the band and the bands that you go on tour with. So starting a podcast, my whole reason for doing it was because I wanted to talk about that, talk about how hard it is, how great it is, the ups, the downs, and just kind of, you know, meet people through the show. And, you know, like you and I, I don't think we've ever met. I think I've seen you mm-hmm. guys live, but mm-hmm. I knew as soon as we started talking that, man, this is going to be a great episode because we're so in the same place, you know? Oh, absolutely. I think the I did... I'm pretty sure I want to remember. I, I remember there was like uh we played a show where there was an Atari's after party in the, it was like the key club or something in LA. Okay. And I, I think it was probably 2004 to 2006. Okay. Somewhere in that point. So I probably have met you somehow. <laughs> well, I, I know that back in the day, like when I saw you guys, I think I may have seen you in Indianapolis at the Emerson theater as well. I, yeah. I met some of the guys in Zayo. I can't for the life of me remember if we met, but I know that I, I think I maybe met the singer at the time. I'm not really sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure. But I was always into that. Like, I mean, I'm a punk rock guy, but I, mm-hmm. I, I loved hardcore. I loved metal. And you guys kind of, you know, melded that together. Now I want to get into Zayo and talk about all sure. that stuff, but I also, I want to know your story. Like how did you, you're my age. So I'm sure we have mm-hmm. some similar stuff growing up. What made you love music? What made you want to get into music back in the day? Well, actually, when I I was growing up, my, my grandfather played guitar. So I always had this, I always had music around me. And I mean, my parents listened to music and all that stuff, but no, they neither of them played anything. Um, but he played guitar and it really, you know, watching him play it and like the sound of it just, and it was just acoustic at the time, but uh, really, really caught me. So I started playing kind of really like trying and taking lessons around 12, but I was also at like eight when I got my first acoustic to try to mess around on. So, um, yeah, early on, I really just took to guitar and loved it. And then probably 12, 13 is when I found Metallica. Oh, hell yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like actually the first metal band I listened to or ever saw was Megadeth, but then Metallica came along and that kind of took over my life for years. Um, so that was what got me. So I basically got into metal before I got into like punk hardcore, but I think what happened for me was, so it was all the sound, right. And I never really focused on lyrics or, or meanings because it's Metallica and whatever, um, you know, Slayer, like all the, all your normal, like big four bands when I was younger, that's what I listened to. And then I got in with a group of friends that like, were kind of looking into like underground music more. And that was when like minor threat, like black flag with Henry Rollins, that kind of stuff. Um, and then I started getting a lot more into like the ideas of like lyrics actually having meaning and you're, and you're like, you have this sort of purpose as a, as a band, which is what I think this metal hybrid with hardcore was, it was like metal with like thinking man lyrics. So I remember when I, when I was young, my mom was kind of weirded out about Metallica. She came around later on, but I remember that I let her read the lyrics to creeping death because it was all about the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> I wanted like, no, it's Metallica. They're, they're totally singing about the Bible. It's not bad at all. I swear. Yeah. If you listen, I mean, all they're, they're just telling us the story and yeah, you know, um, did you, did you learn, did you learn all the parts when you were that age? Cause that was what I always did. Like I couldn't always do the leads, but I could usually play a piece of almost everything. Yeah. Like I basically learned all the rhythm stuff. So like I could play the songs and then the leads came a little later. Cause yeah, like, uh, 
I mean, still, I like I learned all of them probably like in my late teens, and I can't remember any of that stuff now. But, but uh, yeah, like all the main like, you know, the Hetfield riffs. I oh, I adored. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's great, man. I, I listened to this other podcast, which I always end up talking about podcasts because I'm a geek for podcasts. But uh, there's these guys, uh, I think Ethan from uh, what's the band? Uh, I can't remember the band. Some some Christian punk band or something. Ethan Luck. Do you know him? Oh, yeah, I know Ethan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, I can't remember the name of his band because I'm drawing a blank. But he and his buddy Clint, they have a podcast called Metal Up Your Podcast. Oh man. And it's all about Metallica. And I've, I've just listened, they just put out these episodes about the box set for justice and it's crazy, man. Like it's, you need to check it out. <laughs> I'm going to have to, well, I mean, it's kind of funny. I know I didn't realize cause I, well now Downey will have a little bit of competition. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like <laughs> I, I, I just recorded an episode a couple of weeks ago of speaking destroy. I'm his guest. I did see that. that. Yeah. I saw that. So I'm pretty excited about that. Ryan was on my show as well, but yeah, I, it's funny. All these people that I meet that were into punk and hardcore and, mm-hmm. and different, you know, different styles of metal. It all goes back to Metallica, man. It really does. I mean, and honestly, if you think about it, Metallica was like one of the metal bands that introduced like punk into it. I mean, they were, that's how I got did, into the misfits. I saw, yeah. I saw Cliff's shirt and I was yep. like, what's that? And I went to the record store and got the CD. That's it, dude. I mean, think like garage days when they did that before, like right after, the cliff Newstead time period or whatever. Yeah, and they yeah. were, they were, they were doing misfits covers and um, yeah, I mean that they definitely had like a punk attitude, which I think was cool. And it, it opened up a lot of us. Like if you were into Metallica, it opened you up to like that, that scene. So one thing that I wanted to ask you, um, sure. I know the band formed in 93, you came on later, like around 99, correct? Yes. Something like that. Now I know that you had a hand in writing the fifth album, the self-titled album, where does, where does the, like the diminished chords and all the suspended stuff and just like the dirty kind of fucked up stuff, where does that come from? Like, are you really deep into theory or is it just like <laughs> something that you can do? I mean, I'm always interested in that because when I write songs, I come from most, most of like a minor key sound because okay. that's more interesting to me. And I've been in, you know, metal bands as well as punk bands. And I've always kind of, I don't know. I can make, I can write really cool riffs that I enjoy, but that real kind of gnarly sound that you guys have, I've never been able to get that. How do you guys go? And I'm not even talking about tone. I'm talking about the actual, like just chords and the notes. Yeah. Yeah. The chord structures. Well, I, I mean, I took lessons. I, I I know a little bit of theory, but it really doesn't come from that. I think what, what we did was kind of weird. Like our area, so I was in a bunch of bands in high school. Uh, I was in one band that actually did some things like it never got real, real big, but like it's somewhat of a known name called Creationist Crucifixion. Okay. And so all of us, like when we did that band, we were, we, you know, you came from Metallica and then I started just getting more extreme. So I went into like the really like gross, like kind of underground grind punk, like and then I got into death metal. Um, and I think a lot of that like diminished chord stuff was influenced by bands like death, morbid angel, morbid angel, really like Trey Azagoth, like his, his playing style is that's all he does really is diminished and just really fucked up stuff. And I mean, I've always, I'm a big movie nerd. So like I've always looked at songs kind of like you're trying to create a mood and you're going to try to like make people go on a journey sort of. So I've always just tended to like 
feel like those diminished chords are like my version of a horror movie. Nope. <laughs> so, but me and Russ, the other guitar player, like we kind of both just love the way those chords sound. And when we had, we influenced by a bunch of different bands from that early on that, like, I think we just tried to figure out what they were doing and then it, the uglier it sounded, like we just tried to use. So obviously like when you start using those chords, you kind of put yourself at a limit because not, not many people want to hear that. <laughs> they want to hear like, they want to actually want to hear like a normal chord, which that's the tough part is kind of figuring out how to in like kind of in what integrate diminished chords and, and normal chords and not make the normal chords sound way too happy and different. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of that stems from like our death metal backgrounds and that kind of stuff. Well, I, I guess the one thing I wanted to ask you about that, sure. Uh, metal sucks put out this thing a while back. I don't, I think it was like a new song you guys put out or something and I listened to it. And the thing that I kind of realized about that from what I knew of your band it was a great song as a ripper, but man, it just seemed like a little more mid tempo, a little bit more like traditional in the structure. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you ever feel like you've kind of pigeonholed yourself? And like when you're in the studio or you're, you're rehearsing or writing, do you ever like make up some real pretty melodic thing and go, Oh no, we're Zayo. We got to fuck it up. I mean, is, is, did you ever think about that? No, actually here. Okay. So this is, I, I'm sure every band says this kind of stuff. Every musician wants to say this stuff. You want to feel like this is true. I don't think, I mean, all of us are influenced by so many different things. So I'm never going to do anything completely original. I don't think anybody is. You're yeah. always influenced, right? Yeah. But when it comes to like what we do in Zao, I don't like really care about any outside thing. So if it's like, the prettiest thing I've ever written and it works, we'll use it. If it's the ugliest thing I've ever written and it works, we'll use it. I never want to, I never, I never try to do that to myself, put any boundary on it. Um, there's never been a time where we were like, ah, that's, that's not ugly enough. Like for example, there was a couple records back, um, when we were still, when Jesse was still playing drums, we had a song called angel without wings. That was literally, it's like a rolling stone song. Um, and for anybody, normally you'd listen to that and be like, that's not going to work on a Zaya record. And we somehow got it to work because I really think, I mean, Dan's voice is really what sets it apart. But, but yeah, we, I don't look at it that way. Like I'll do, if anything's really pretty or if it's, as long as we like all feel it and we're all like into what it is, uh, we won't shy away from writing just a normal song. We won't shy away from writing a totally fucking mess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it goes back to Metallica because I just remember hearing the story of James wrote nothing else matters and he was going to keep it and he didn't think mm -hmm. it was a Metallica song. And then the guys heard it and they're like, that song's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I let, we let the songs kind of dictate. So like, we'll, I try not to listen to a lot of stuff so I don't like, you know, totally rip things off. I just, I use the same type of uh, inspiration that I always have. And then we just try to write stuff and some songs get thrown out just because they don't feel right. They don't work. Um, and it doesn't really necessarily matter any about that. So, yeah. so tell me a little bit about how you joined the band, because if they, they started in 1993, you joined mm -hmm. four years later and I know they were sort of established and, you know, maybe, you know, playing the cornerstone festivals and whatnot. Like how was it when you joined, like what was the the process? So I was really close with Russ and Dan. I knew them really, really well. And I, I knew Brett really well. Um, those three guys, when they joined the band was when I kind of paid attention to what Zaya was doing. Like I knew 
of Zeo before that, but like I kind of wasn't in that scene. Like the scene that creation was playing in was more like kind of anti-religious and like because Zeo at the beginning, I mean, they were pretty much, I mean, they were witnessing yeah. during the shows and it was stuff. A, yeah. 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 It was like, it was a Christian band. Um, so I didn't really work in those play in those circles, but back then it wasn't like it got like back then, like nobody was like, Oh, I don't want to see any, Christian bands on a show like it wasn't like that it was just like if you lived in Indiana you were going to see at least one I don't care what kind of show you went to if it was a punk show or a metal show it was there yeah dude like we never like it wasn't really totally segregated I think certain times in in the scene like it got kind of weird because people thought different things about those type of bands which is fine but so I didn't really know and then I knew Russ Dan and Brett well when those guys joined I paid attention to what they were doing and actually really got into what they were doing uh, because they were local to me and all friends. And then when Brett decided to leave to front the Juliana theory full time, um, Russ was a real, I mean, we've all loved just been super close for a pretty long time. And Russ was a fan of like what I was doing and I was a fan of what he was doing. So he came to me and asked if I'd have any interest in joining, which I like really kind of wanted to just because of how close I was with those guys. So It was a really cool opportunity, but at the same time, I thought of it as like, hey, I'm going to get to play play music with some friends, <laughs> you know? So it was really that simple. Like Brett left and I just kind of came right in um, and yeah. And then we started writing for the Liberate TX and Fairies record. When Were they already on Tooth and Nail or when did they actually sign to Tooth and Nail? They were signed. I think uh, actually Zayo was signed right after they... I thought what a couple years after they joined, they started. Okay. So splinter, which is the record before Russ, Dan and Brett, that was on tooth and nail. And then pretty much everybody in the band left Jesse <laughs> <laughs> just for personal reasons and wanting to do other stuff. So Jesse was kind of left not knowing what to do. And he somehow became friends with this whole scene up here. Cause we had a pretty vibrant scene up here. There was a lot of, a lot of really, really great local bands that pretty much opened all of our eyes to what was going on. I mean, I can't, when I go back and listen to some of the bands that were around Pittsburgh and like this area at that time, I mean, those bands should have been as big as like any of us. Uh, I mean, they, it's really sad to me because some of that, some of that stuff was just as good as anything else out there. So, but, um, yeah, he became friends with everybody up here, and that's I think how they kind of joined forces. So uh, they were already, yeah, they were already signed to the label even before Rust in and, and Brett joined. So with you telling me before that you know you were in a band that was kind of you know quote unquote anti religion whatnot, joining yeah. joining Zayo and how they were in that Christian music scene was that hard for you? I mean, were you a real religious guy? I mean, how was it when you got in there? Well, back then I was what my early twenties. So I was still like, kind of like a searcher, right? I didn't, I didn't necessarily believe in the whole Christian thing, but I didn't, I wasn't like, like totally against it. I was more like agnostic at the time. So, and the way when I joined Zayo, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the, uh, altar calls, (laughs) that kind of the witnessing and stuff. It was basically trying to be a band that had, members in the band that had certain viewpoints that were completely and utterly awesome and open with everybody. Nobody like nobody shunned me because I wasn't like a f- complete full on Christian, but, yeah. um, you know, and we were just a band 
of like different minded people that were trying to just do good, you know, just try to be cool with people. Um, Dan had a background in that at that time. So his lyrics were kind of written from more of a personal uh, aspect, not really like a, some Christian bands were, were kind of writing lyrics as like, you know, outsiders trying to understand what this was. Right. And Dan, Dan was writing more like, Hey, this is what I've been through. So this is what helps me kind of get through life. Um, but no, it was, I felt very welcomed. It wasn't really weird. I didn't protest or wasn't against what they were into. I mean, I think what ends up happening too, is the longer you become or do what you do and become closer as friends. I mean, I don't think I wouldn't have expected all of us to be where we are now. Like I, I'm, pretty full-blown atheist for the last like eight, 10 years. And a lot of the other dudes in the band don't identify as Christians at all. So that kind of leads me to, I normally keep these for the end, but this fits in really well. I have a, a listener question, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Nathan from Montana, he wants to know when did the core ideals of the band start to change? Like, could you tell when it was actually changing? Like when you got in the band or, or shortly thereafter, he wanted to know when everything started to change. I think what ends up happening, so it's such a hard question because I don't think the core ideals of the band did change. I think what ended up happening was when you learn more and you read more and you're a, you're a guy in a band that spends 15 hours driving and you can like read books and because that, I mean, we didn't have, when we were touring, it wasn't like, oh, you could just get on your phone. You know, we were like, I would bring books with me. Dan would bring books with him. We would read, we'd try to learn and just do all that stuff. So like, I think the core ideal of the band really, in my opinion, was just, just to be kind of a beacon for people, like hurt people. You know, we, we wanted to show people that all of us have those same problems and all of us go through some of the worst things in life. And, and, you know, the real power is in within us to like be better people and do better for people. So that core ideals never changed. I mean, we're never going to be a band that's like anti things. And we're never going to be a band that's like, you know, pissed off and mad at like at people or, or wrong things, I would say. Do you ever get like the kids at the shows still to this day that are like from that scene? I mean, cause I know it's pretty mixed up now because you know, you guys have kind of gotten away from the Christian scene and you've played with mm -hmm. more secular bands and done a lot of touring with secular bands, but are there still like those niche, like kids that come out to the shows that are from that scene? Oh, absolutely. We get them all the time. And, and here's the thing that's, that's different. I think about us than with most other bands that would be in our position. So I'm, we're not combative with those people. I don't, you know, I don't feel anything. I, you don't really get anywhere by trying to prove that I'm right and you're wrong or, or vice versa. So what we do is like, as long as they're there and they're, they're genuine people, kind and, and open to the understanding, like other people are different then we, dude, you can be the lover of Christ all day long. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I tell you, I tell you, man, the whole Myself, I was raised Catholic. I've never really been much of a believer. On, yeah. At this point in my life, I'm not a believer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me but neither, I, yeah. I've known and been friends with so many guys that were in Christian bands, and I'm I'm pretty tight with the guys in Emory. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And they just put out their new record called Eve, and on the cover, there's like this... <laughs> 
you, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. There's I like know exactly. yep. this half naked girl or it shows like her butt crack and yep. it's just a piece of art. And I mean, I've listened to Matt's podcast where they talked about trying to decide if they were going to use the art and whatnot, but the backlash that I saw on Facebook and Twitter and everything from these so-called Christian people that like, you can't see a girl's ass without thinking it's porn. Like it, it's, I don't know. It just, it angers me. And I don't know how, I don't think I could ever put up with those kind of people liking music that I put out. And that's exactly what I meant. Like, as long as you're open-minded and kind, then that's fine. But if you start shit, we are going to come at you. Um, those same people that can't look at a ass on a cover are following a, a president that cheated on his wife three times. Oh yeah. So there's such hypocrisy in, in that whole scene, which is a big reason why we, pulled out, uh, pulled away from it pretty early on. We could see that. I mean, there were kids that were coming up and, and they would berate us about certain stuff. And then you'd see them treating friends like shit or like being assholes to people or, you know, it's real easy, man, to like go at other people and not recognize all the faults in your own life. Right. So for, as a band, I think that was our, that's another nice core ideal. Like we are all flawed. So, yeah. so we're going to, we're going to show you all of our flaws and show you you're, you're not alone. So if you can't, you know, accept that maybe you're wrong or other people are maybe different from you. I mean, th- that was another big thing for me. Like I've always been like an LGBTQ like supporter. Of course. And yeah. Being in a Christian band like tore me apart because I knew that there were a lot of people that thought because of what that band started out as, which that was never a a thing for us. I mean, I remember early on, like that was never ever a thing that like we we were against as a Christian or as those, even before I joined, I knew those guys weren't against that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, like when, when that, when you politicize Christianity and turn it into what it's become today. Like I have no interest. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Yeah. So I guess my, my next question, I mean, you can, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, I mean, I don't even, even if you're not like politicizing it, I still don't believe it, but, <laughs> yeah, but, totally, but, totally. but I'm not as, I'm not like, as like, Oh man, I'm not as against it if it's, you know, like that. Yeah. So I don't want to keep, you know, harping on the Christian thing, but being, no, that's cool. being on tooth and nail, was there ever a time where, they had an issue with something you guys wanted to release or like how involved were they? Like, were they pretty hands on or hands off? You know what? They were, I mean, relatively hands off. There was one time where we had a small issue where Jesse had a picture of a uh, pinup girl on one, like a tattoo on his arms and his positioning of the picture. Like you could see the pinup girl and uh, we had to do a version of that. And it wasn't because of the label, but we had to do a version of that cover without that picture for, them to put it in Christian bookstores. Okay. And okay. yeah, and so like we understood, I mean number one, I'm not we're not going to be completely you know unmoving on certain things like if 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 that's what that label's going to push, we didn't push that it had to be that way, but I mean most of the records came out the way we wanted them to and that picture was I mean in the scheme of things is pretty small potatoes, but Okay. I always just yeah. wondered. I, I know some people that have been on Tooth and Nail and I've always heard pretty good things about the label actually. Yeah. I mean, dude, like a lot of people and even us, like there was a certain time where we felt like they maybe would have done us wrong financially, but like the more and more now, especially with like how we run our 
band and we kind of run everything. We see everything. Uh, we went through and we look at contracts like the, the tooth and nail contract wasn't awesome, but it wasn't bad. I think the worst part of it is the length of it. But Wasn't that, did you guys like sign for like five records or yeah, something? Yeah, <laughs> and when you're when you're young, no band usually lasts that long, so it's kind yeah. of shit. But but they, I mean, some of the royalty points weren't bad, and a lot of the reason we lost money was because of our own stupidity, man. We didn't sign up for like ASCAP, and like I'm we're, I'm with BMI now, but we didn't sign up for all those those royalty like the rights distributors. So. Yeah, yeah. All that money is just gone because you didn't sign up for all of it. We didn't know to do that stuff. We didn't have a manager at the time. You know, we never you got to sign up for Harry Fox to get your you new know, mechanicals. We never did that. So those mechanicals just evaporate. Well, in the the inverse of what I just asked, how was it working with Ferret? Ferret was great. I mean, the only thing that's making it shitty now is that they had to sell. You know, they sold to like Warner and yeah. Rhino. So like dealing with them is a headache. But um, wasn't, but, wasn't I mean, there something where you guys lost your, your URL for your website or something? We, yeah, we did that too. <laughs> I think we paid for it like, and somebody grabbed it before we could even catch it. Cause there's like, dude, there's so many Zayo things. Like there's like a Zayo Island, there's Zayo makeup companies. So like when I was looking online, uh, just for, you know, research stuff, I was on YouTube and I have the little Comcast remote where you can speak into the remote. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And I was like, Zayo, Zayo band. And like, there's like a band from Indonesia that's Z-E-O. And then there's a Zayo from Jamaica that does reggae. Like, there's yep. so many things yep. out there. Yeah, there's a ton of different stuff. I, like, we always, I, I never really heard that word before until I joined the band. And then like, once I joined the band, I realized like so many things. Because I guess it's just like another, it's it's Greek for alive. So a lot of P like a lot of companies have used it in Japan and which is whatever. I mean, it's cool. So, I mean, it's pretty, that's one other thing I had in my, I was trying to think of like cool things to ask you. Cause I wanted to, you know, be perceived as a cool guy, <laughs> but uh, we all do. <laughs> yeah. Right. When you're 40, that's your thing. I, I just know. want to be cool. <laughs> yeah. My, my thing was all the bands. I feel like you guys were kind of at the forefront of the whole, you know, metal slash metal core, whatever you want to call it. And the cool thing that I always thought about your band, every band in that genre had like nine words in their name. Yeah. And you guys had three letters. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I just that, thought it yep. was such a cool, unique thing because all of those bands, not only did they all kind of sound alike because their names were so long and crazy, but they all kind of sounded generic and alike anyway. You guys didn't in my mind anyway. Yeah. i like total credit to Eric Reader and those early guys, man. That's a, it was, it was a great, really easy, simple remembering name. Like you could easily, like you say it, it's not, I mean, people still never pronounce it right or never pronounce it the way we pronounce it. Your name is shorter than most bands acronyms. I know. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but yeah, I love the idea of that. Like, man, it's right to the point, you know, you, it's really easy to remember. I never, it's, I still have trouble with some of these band names now, especially, but I just remember at one point it was like, come on, man, your name doesn't even fit on a flyer. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> yeah. When you're up to like eight words in a name, you probably should cut that down because you're going to have to, like you said, act, like put the acronyms in or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I, I was really interested in this. I saw this on Wikipedia. So excuse me if this is not correct, but, uh, you recorded with Steve Albini. I want to hear all about that, man. Oh yes. Yeah. That was, uh, before like recording, I mean, we've always had really, really good experiences. Um, you know, when we did our first earlier tooth and nail records, we worked with a guy named, uh, whoa, geez, it was 
Barry Pointer. I can't believe it. Holy crap. So we worked with this guy named Barry Pointer. We're 40, and, man. We're forgetting yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know. And we had he had a uh, an assistant named Jason Magnuson that both of those guys are still some of my favorite people ever. Like had the some of the funnest recording sessions with those guys. Um, so that was we never really had like I said, we never really had a bad one. Uh Steve Albini recording with him was literally like I could check mark like a something in my life that now I have done, you know. Um the guy's done so many of my favorite records. Um and yeah, I'm I'm a Nirvana guy too. So like knowing that that guy worked on In Utero was cool. He worked with the Pixies. Neurosis is one of my favorite bands. He's done a bunch of Neurosis records. Do you know that um, he didn't accept any royalties from In Utero? Yeah, he basically did um he took his $450,000, whatever pay, but he didn't take a producer credit. Yeah. He doesn't do that. Like he will not take a producer credit on records. I just remember seeing that on that sound city, that, that documentary thing with, or not sound city, uh, the sonic highways with Dave girl and Foo Fighters. Yeah. And yeah, Dave girl was like, man, he would never have to work another day in his life, but he didn't put his name on there as yeah. a producer. That's crazy. Yep. And his under like the way he explains that is pretty awesome because he looks at it like he's not really doing it, making your band do anything like all he's doing is capturing your band. He doesn't have any he doesn't come in and tell you to write a song this way or change a part. You know, he's there to capture what you do. So he doesn't even consider himself a producer unless you like there's probably bands that he's worked with where they've asked him to be that. And maybe he'll do that. But with us, like we went in absolutely were like really rehearsed. We did the whole record live. Um, unlike what most people do today, like there was no click track. There was no going back in and doing guitars. It was me, Marty, our bassist, Jeff, the, the drummer, all playing in a room that was, you know, separated. So the sound would be good. And we just jammed. And then I went back in and I overdubbed a second guitar because that was the time when Russ was in the band. But it wasn't like I went in and was like meticulously picking out parts to make sure they were right. He was like, all right, go. Went through one song. All right, go. Went through another song. So it was awesome. Like it was my favorite, one of my favorite things I've ever done because it's like such a juxtaposition for what you normally do on a record. I've been in the studio before. Yeah. it's like a microscope and you're making sure that everything yep. is perfect. I mean, even before the whole pro tools thing, when you're doing it to tape, then it's even worse, but yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause you still punch parts. Dude, we did not like, there were very, very rare times where we would punch anything like, and if we did punch shit, we did it like the Beatles where you had to hold the whole band had to play again. <laughs> so awesome. it wasn't like I could punch guitars. It was like, Nope, we got to redo the part. Okay. Let's punch everybody. Um, did he tell you any cool stories? about Nirvana or anybody? You know, we didn't really like, I mean, we, we, I remember talking to him a little bit about it, but it was, it wasn't, we never really got into like anything crazy. Like what we really did was we just broed down with him and like, we, we just talk about funny shit with him and fun stuff. Like we, like we did a, a little documentary on making the record because obviously like it's such a milestone of something for us that we wanted to keep everything we could of it. Um, and there was like this whole section of, day, of the day where we talked about Lars snare sound on St. Anger and how, <laughs> you know, how, like as a, as an engineer, he listens to that snare drum and he, you know, everybody listens to how bad the snare drum is. People don't recognize there's like four bad snare drums. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like we went through this whole thing about that and we, you know, we just hung out with them. We, he's a, like, he loved 
he's a poker guy, which I don't know if you saw that, but he won a pretty big amount of money. Yeah, for I saw that on the, on the poker tournament. Yeah. yeah. But he had like a pool table set up. So we'd play pool with him. He'd, he'd play poker. He was a big baseball fan. So like all of us, I live in Pittsburgh, man. You, if you're not a pirate Steeler, penguin fan, you're nobody. So, <laughs> so we talked baseball, we talked all kinds of stuff. We watched f- like football games. Cause it was when Steelers were in the playoffs at that time. I mean, it was just a fun like time. And everybody that's ever said that he's like, this type of person that's hard to work with. It's just because you're a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, like we were cool. He was super cool. Um, we didn't, he, we knew what we wanted. We went in, we were ready. We were rehearsed and he didn't have to do anything other than mic our stuff and let us go. So it was, it was great. That's awesome, man. Well, Hey, uh, this is called that one time on tour. So, uh, I, I always get to this question. Sometimes people have stuff prepared, sometimes not, but you've done a lot of touring. I know you guys have been to Europe quite a bit and other places in, in the world. Do you have any just crazy stories or anything that comes to mind that you could share with us? Man, it's, it's kind of depressing, but <laughs> we were always a band that just didn't do crazy stuff. Like, I mean, we've all like, all of us, like, like our occasional drink, you know, when we were, when we were in, uh, the Netherlands and we, you know, we would partake in some marijuana fun times, but I mean, we didn't really go nuts. There was one fun time where Dan knocked over like a whole thing of cabs because he was pretty blitzed out of his mind. But (laughs) it was, I mean, dude, it's, it's hard. Like we, we really just were like all guys that were super good friends and we had a lot of fun hanging out together and there was a lot of bullshit that as kids growing up you go through um i don't i'm uh, nothing really crazy yeah uh, i think the craziest stuff was like when you'd meet people you never thought you'd meet like we went to hang out at um at rainbow room and fucking rick james was walking out and he <laughs> like, talked to us for a couple seconds and he was totally crazy and it was awesome that's awesome uh, anybody you know, anybody that you got totally starstruck by that you met? Um, the only time, I mean, I'm like, a, there, there are people that I would be starstruck from meeting. There wasn't anybody like that we met that I was like totally blown away by. Um, but I, I was blown away a couple of times, like finding out certain people, like we did a couple shows with machine head. So like finding out Rob Flynn knew who we were was fucking crazy. That's crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> and he was super cool and he liked us. So that was really cool. Um, you know, the, I th- honestly, I think if I ever met a member of Metallica and they knew who our band was, that, that would mess me up. Dude, that, I, I would, I met, struck. I met James and Jason one time. Yeah. I don't know how I would be with that. And I, I, I've talked, I talked about this too, man. I think I brought this up a couple of times or I talked about it on Ryan's Metallica podcast, but it's like, when you play in a band, no matter what size the band is, if you tour, tour enough, eventually you're probably going to meet some of your heroes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I've met a lot of people and I've always kind of kept my cool cause we're just all doing the same thing. And then I, when I saw James, it was like word vomit. Like it just wouldn't stop coming up. It's like, you're, yeah. the, you're the reason I play guitar. You're the blah, 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 blah. And just, and he was really, really nice and was super cool to me and, <laughs> and gave me a pick and everything. But it was just like, I could tell he's like, get this guy out of here, you know? And that dude, I think that's my thing too. Like, I'm kind of glad I haven't met anybody that has made me do that yet because then I would just feel like shit. It would, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't remember like, oh my God, I just met James Hetfield. I remember how stupid I was and it would ruin the whole experience for me. So, 
if I can meet him where I'm not like an idiot, that'd be awesome. And I don't know if that's ever possible. <laughs> well, I like the time that I met Dave Grohl, he, I was kind of almost starting to be the same way. And then I just told him how much I love scream. And then we just talked about punk rock for like a half hour. He was the nicest dude in the world. See, that's another thing. Like he's one of those dudes that I like, I, I want to find that he's not as cool as he is. I don't know. You why almost want to, you want to like think that, okay, there's no way he's as cool as he seems yeah. on everything, but he seems like he's the best dude ever. He was man. I mean, I hung out with him for like a half hour and I, he acted like he cared and he wanted to hear what I had to say. Like See, that's nice awesome. guy. He was so nice. That's, I met Vinnie Paul. That was kind of cool. Oh, that's awesome. Where'd you meet Vinnie Paul at? We met Vinnie Paul. He was in, it was somewhere in Texas. I forget what concert venue it was, but he, it was funny. Cause he like, there were a couple people that we were on tour with that I think he toured with before. So when he came up to me and I was like, Hey man, I'm just on honestly love Pantera. This is awesome for me. He's like, Oh yeah. We tour with you guys. I'm like, uh, yeah, it was like, you know, 2001, <laughs> like I tried to make it, but it was, it sucks. Cause you're like watching all these dudes talk to him, like totally normal. I'm like, I can't be a don't be an idiot. Don't be yeah. an idiot. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> so you said you were into Pantera and whatnot. Um, I wanted to get to this earlier, but now we'll go back to it because this is my sure. my show is all about tangents. So oh, uh, dude, that's that's totally fine. So you grew up with the same time I did with the same age. How deep did you get into like the grunge stuff? Oh, dude. I'll put it to you this way. So I I was a diehard Nirvana fan. Okay. I love and still love Soundgarden. So do I. <laughs> so I think Soundgarden's one of the most, like literally the, I guess they get, they get all they deserve as a band, I, but I think they're better than what they get. Like, I think that band, like d- d- Chris Cornell's voice is unmatched. I'd, I've never honestly. heard it. I mean, if you had like a top five singers of all time, no matter what oh, he's genre, in it. he's in it. He's definitely oh, easy. In it. He's easily in it. Um, that's like, it's uh, dude, like we're pretty close friends with some of the Dillinger escape plan guys. And they actually did that last tour with them. Wow. Uh, yeah. So like talking, we, I saw, we saw Liam when we were in Philly this last like summer run or whatever. And, um, he was talking to us about just like getting to meet those dudes. And I guess Kim Thales like way into like underground metal and weird stuff. So yeah. So like, I kind of want to meet that dude now real bit. (laughs) But, um, Dude, I saw Soundgarden. Uh, it was like my second concert. Saw Soundgarden oh, open up for Pantera. Oh man! See, back then was the that wasn't it was the best, dude. Because you could see that. Like, I took my wife because my wife is an unbelievable Soundgarden fan. She's like Soundgarden since like Louder Than Love. Like loved them, and um, I we finally got to take go to a show, which is when King Animal, like right before King Animal came out, they came to Pittsburgh. Cause they don't really they were broken up for a while and we were a little too young when they were at Lollapalooza and stuff. So, um, but we went to see them and they were fantastic. It was an show. This is like, right. You know, as they're getting back into the swing of it and oh, it was just so good. What are your thoughts on Alice in Chains? Cause Alice in Chains is one of my favorites. Dude. So I get shit for this, but like, I don't know if you listen to the last two Alice in Chains records, are fucking awesome dude not only like the songs are killer but the production of those records they're is crazy just, you're talking about like so, the new ones with williamson yeah. right oh, oh yeah the, yeah the new ones like what is the the black blue well the brand new one that just came out and won a grammy this year was uh rainier fog 
I don't think I've listened to that full record. You, you need I to own, listen to that. That is great. But I, you're, you're it, thinking God put dinosaurs here. Yep. I have, I have that record and I have the bleed blue, blue black, black bleeds the blue or whatever. Thank you. Yes. That, yeah, I have those two records and I do, I still have facelift and dirt and all that stuff. So. I just, I've, I've gotten into this kick lately the other day. Like my wife's a bit younger than me, <laughs> a bit like 12 years <laughs> younger than me. And, uh, she had never really checked out Alice in Chains and her brother like listened to it, but I was watching the unplugged. It was oh, on, yeah. it was on like MTV two or something. And I recorded it and I was watching it and she sat down and watched the whole thing. And she's like, I never knew how great they were and, and how oh. good Lane Staley's voice was. And, and so yeah. it, it put me on this kick and all I've been doing every night when my son's going to sleep, I lay in the bed with him till he falls asleep. And I've been watching YouTube videos of Alice in Chains for like two weeks. Sick. Well, yeah, dude. And another thing, like, as a guitar player, I mean, Jerry Cantrell is amazing. His tone Oh yeah. I, those whatever he's whatever he does with his Friedman amps, I wish I could even come like a quarter to that tone. It's so thick, heavy, and clear, and oh, it's so good. That's one thing I, I love that these tangents keep bringing me back to you because I know you like me, you're a big ESP guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I've I, been. I love ESP so much. I mean, I used to only play like Gibson and whatnot, and then when I I got an L what is it? EC 1000 back in like, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago. And that's been my main guitar since then. Oh yeah, dude. They're like, so I, I've been working with ESP since like 2001. So when I signed to ESP, it was on kind of, a, I, I didn't even know how to do endorsements. And I talked to uh, Matt Mascandero, the president of the company. So it was like, this is way before they had A&Rs and stuff. And I was able to get, my first guitar was like, a, like, a, oh, what the hell was it? It was like one of those MH ones, but it was an, it was like right when they were starting to do LTDs so they could make affordable guitars. And I will say, man, there is not a company out there that makes affordable guitars as good as ESP. Dude, like, I, I know that I've seen like your gear rundown and everything. I know that you have a couple actual like ESPs. Yeah. But uh-huh. At one point in the Ataris, I got like an Eclipse, like, you know, real ESP. And I loved it, but I went back to playing the LTDs, man. They just, they're set up so perfect. I'm not saying anything bad about the the real ESPs, but I just, I don't know, man. I've never played a guitar like the EC-1000. I just love it. Yeah, the LTD, like I actually, when we play, I, I'm i I'm using the E2 now, which is like their normal standard series. I haven't which tried I really, that yet. I really want to try it. I think you would love them, but. But I totally understand. The one nice thing about the LTDs for me was that they they were as nice and they played as nice as my ESPs, but I wasn't so scared of like playing them. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> plus like, the EC-1000, I mean, I don't know if this matters for you. I, I play a lot of leads when I, the Ataris, it was all like arpeggios and whatnot, but I play leads yeah. other times. And having, okay. having 24 frets on the EC-1000 was always a big deal for me. Oh, yeah. And that's like the nice thing to, so I, I'm also a Gibson guy. Like I have a, an old eighties Les Paul custom and I have like a 2001 like classic and I love those guitars, but they don't play as nice. They don't stay in tune as yeah. nice. They're not even close. Like it, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a tone that I get out of the custom that's on, that's cool and awesome and I love it, but it's not as to me, I don't feel as comfortable with it as I do any ESP stuff. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I've seen that you've got you've got yours modified and like sent to ESP and whatnot. If you are using like just what kind of pickups do you have in your guitar? Like we don't usually talk gear on this show, but I'm really interested because you play what I like. 
Yeah, yeah. So I'm I've always been a a, a follower of like the passive pickup world. So like I've dealt with Seymour Duncan for a pretty long time. Um, I've loved everything they do, but there are a lot of really good boutique, uh, like pickup makers now that I'm kind of checking out. Uh, but most of the ones in the ESPs are Seymour Duncan's. I'm not an EMG fan. I just never have been, and I've never been an act fan, but my friend Ken from unearth works with Fishman. Okay. So, so he was able to get me a pair of the Willie Adler, uh, Fishman fluence pickups. Wow. And so the cool thing about those is that they're not like an active pickup. It's just that the fact that because they do the 3D model or the 3D uh, printing of the coil, you have to like electrify that coil. So that's what's powered. It's not like you have, you know, a, an active pickup that's totally going to change the tone of your guitar. It's just that it's going to electrify that that coil. And honestly, I think those are out of anything I've ever played active. They're the best that I've played. That's awesome. Uh, I think they sound great. They're really crisp. They're really clear. Um, but I'm, I, my tone, I kind of like a little bit of like sort of like muddy, messy sound. So I tend to stick with more passive Duncans. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about the rail hammers though, too. So awesome, man. Well, yeah. I, I tell you, I, uh, you got to give me your hookup at ESP cause I've got some, uh, <laughs> I've got some needs. <laughs> oh dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely as you, I don't know if you've dealt with any of these companies. I mean, I have in the past. I mean, we, when the Ataris, it was weird because like our singer, Chris was a big Fender guy. So like we had anything we wanted Fender and we had mm -hmm. orange and all this, but I always wanted that ESP Yeah, <laughs> and it, it just seemed like, you know, Oh, we're this punk band. Like the, I don't know. I talked to some guys when I was out there a couple of times and, and it was seemed like it was going to happen then it never did. And so I, yeah, the ESP is, is my bucket list. I at least want to, you know, get one at cost or something. Oh dude. Yeah. I'll get you, I'll get you, I'll get you the name I deal with. Um, awesome, I mean, man. they're, they're definitely working with, I mean, Lars from Rancid just had his own like signature series come out. So they well, I, definitely mean, I, I do so much with like music education and everything. I just like to see if you know, like, Hey man, hook me up, sponsor me. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, dude, I'll get you before we get off here. I'll, I'll make sure to get you all the stuff. Oh, thanks, man. You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I've had you on the phone for quite a long time. Uh, we've, we've kind of geeked out over different stuff. I do want to know, you know, the future coming up for Zayo and for you and your other bands. I know you're, you have a new band called pack, which has members, yep. members of punchline and the Juliana theory. Yep. Uh, what's going yep. on with pack right now? We actually are gearing up for our first show this weekend, which is kind of crazy. Um, we are going to, I think, I think alternative press on f this coming Friday, the fourth, we're going to premiere a new, like a song, like our first song. And then we have a seven inch that's going to be released from mind over matter that is going to have that song. And then we did a cover of a Matthew sweet song, awesome. which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's, was it girlfriend? Neat. No, it's actually not girlfriend. It's okay. um sick of you. Oh, that's a good song. That's a great song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're you know, we're we're kind of that. We're we're kids of the nineties and early two thousands. So that's cool. Um man. but yeah, like it has me, um, the other guitar player that does a lot of the songwriting, uh Josh Fiedler from the Juliana Theory, um, Chris uh I'm never his last name's Fafala Fafalius, I think is how you pronounce it. Um uh, but he he plays bass and punchline. Um our singer Kelly Tobias was in a couple of different bands. One of them was Big Hurry out of Pittsburgh, which I think some of those those uh those songs 
got released. Uh, so she's been doing, she's done stuff. And then Justin, our drummer has played with Josh for like the last eight years and like all of the stuff that he's been doing. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's definitely not what Zayo fans are going to expect, but that's kind of cool to me. Awesome, man. <laughs> so yeah, like a girl fronted kind of smashing pumpkins esque band, I guess. Well, I'm so. excited just from how you described it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like we're all super really just having a lot of fun with it. Um, and then I do. Yeah, we just do like me, Russ and Dan do a bunch of fun stuff all the time. So. So what's coming up uh, in the future for Zayo? So, well, we just got back. There's so many dumb things that happen. And as you know, being in a in this world, what can happen with certain things? So like we had a label that was supposed to release our uh, one of our older records on vinyl. Cause we lost all of our vinyl rights when ferret sold over to Rhino. And so they released, they were trying to get that record released last year. We're hoping it's going to come out this year, but there's so much legal bullshit that has totally fucked the whole thing up. And it's making it like literally makes us sick to our stomach with all of it. Like we want, we don't even know what to do about it. We're just, we're hoping the process will take its place and it'll come out. And then we have a split seven inch with a band called Yashira that'll be out very soon. Uh, the seven inches, like we pre-ordered them a, like a month or so ago, but vinyl, as you know, with it being as popular as it is now, yeah. it's, plants are backed up. So that sucks. But, and then we have our own seven inch that'll be released in the next like two weeks, which will help us fund the next full length record, which we are in the process of recording now. And all of those songs, I mean, I know it's seven inch physical copies, but you guys will have it on like, you know, Apple music oh, yeah. and Spotify and everything, right? Yeah. All of it'll be digital. You'll, yeah. Everything will be put to Spotify, which is really what, what I love about what we're doing now is that we're in charge of all of it. So like our drummer, Jeff has, I mean, he's totally instrumental and I mean, we wouldn't be able to do any of the stuff we're doing without him. So that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, he's been, you know, doing such a good job with everything we do with this stuff. So so it's pretty much all in house now, right? Oh, all of it. I mean, to the point where like we go to to one certain guy to cut our lacquers for our vinyl. Jeff has a relationship with our printing plant for the vinyl plant that like he walk he can walk over to the plant and pick up our records. Wow. Um everything we do like t-shirt related uh, cover art related. Like they're all relationships. It's not just some label hiring some douchebag to do a cover for you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So like everything we do, like even down to like our printing company that does our shirts, like Holy Mountain Printing is part of the reason, one of the biggest reasons why we could do this because they helped us kind of get shirts out to help fund our records. So like, I mean, everything we do, we make sure that like everybody involved is somebody that we really, really know and and can consider friends. So yeah, yeah it's been, it's been awesome for us. You guys have any tour dates coming up for Zayo? We play... In February, I think it's February 16th, we're doing a festival in Savannah called Orfest. And then we're now we're like in the process of like, okay, we're going to try to figure out what we're doing for like July, like summertime. Then we'll figure out what we're going to do for, for uh fall time. Cause we like, once it gets into the winter months, man, we, we've had too many scary situations on winter tours. We don't really do them. Um, but yeah, we'll, we're kind of getting all that stuff figured out now. So hopefully we'll be playing a little bit more next year. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, I can't wait. And you guys, you know, you have that new seven inch come out. Maybe you can come back. We can discuss it on the show. Oh, dude, I would love to. I 
be more than happy to send you one too. Oh, so. dude, that that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, wait, give me your address when we're off, and I'll send you like all the records. Oh, dude, that would be awesome, man. And I tell you what, I'll pay for it, but I want a Zayo no. hoodie. I remember there was a Zayo hoodie that my friend had back in the like late '90s, early 2000s, and I always thought it was the best thing in the world. But I, if you have any left, let me know, and I'll send the money, man. Yeah, I'll look for them and see. I have some stuff. I don't know if I have anything. I probably not that old, but yeah, let me know what it is. And well, well I'll, I'll tell you what we'll do, man. I've got a bunch of swag for the show. I'll send you a swag like bag and you can send me some Zayo stuff. It's just like love you know, it. back and forth. I, lo- <laughs> I love it. That's it. Totally. Okay. So, uh, how about, uh, socials? How can people check out what you're doing online? Zayo yourself, anything you want to plug? Yeah, we, I mean, we, update everything ourselves. So the Zayo official Facebook page is all of us talking to you when you ask questions, the Zayo Instagram, like me, Jeff, Russ, and uh, eh, usually it's just me, Jeff and Russ kind of running because it's pretty hectic. But so we run all that, that stuff. So the Zayo Instagram, I, I think you just look up Zayo official, I think, or Zayo band, maybe I think it is. I think it might be Zayo music. That could be it too. I know like we did, <laughs> I think we did our like, our uh, emails like Zayo music, but it could be. So yeah, all that stuff. I mean, we have a Twitter, but Twitter sucks unless you're making fun of somebody or talking <laughs> shit on somebody. So we don't do I've, it. I've found that Twitter for podcasts seems to help though. It's weird. Like I never use my Twitter until like, you know, I started the podcast and people actually tweet back at me for the podcast. It's strange. That's. I mean, we have had some cool correspondence with people through Twitter. Like uh, that band code orange is from Pittsburgh. So we're like, we sort of have like I we met them and we know them, but like they were kind of coming up when we were doing our thing. So it's it was cool to kind of connect with them, even though they're just in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Twitter yeah. was our way to do it. Um, but yeah, like all that's, you know, all we run all of it. So if you go on there, you're actually talking to us. That's also, awesome. before I forget, I would like to plug there's a, pe- a pedal company called Abominable Electronics. If you're not using his pedals, you're out of your mind. Okay. Abominable Electronics. Yeah, he, he does, this guy named Patrick, man, he does all his, their pedals are sick and he does all of the pedals hand, like by hand, he does them. Um, he doesn't even have like a, a like a, it's him by himself. Um, and they're like, I, there's some of the best, overdrives and and weird crazy distortions and all that stuff that i've ever played through so that's awesome so everybody go check that out abominable electronics yes that's it cool man i'll have to maybe i can throw the link in the show notes or something so people can check it out killer that'd be awesome well hey man i want to just say that uh i've had a blast talking to you and it's it's nice to you know i'm making friends through this podcast I, i feel like we got to know each other pretty well Dude, that's what I love about these. You get like a, a little long form discussion and you end up like Dewey. I didn't know Dewey before he contacted me about doing this. And then when I did his podcast, like I, t- I talked to Dewey every couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, the cool yeah. thing is like now that I know that you're my age and we love Metallica, we'll probably talk once in a while. <laughs> oh, dude, absolutely. Especially, man, like guitar stuff. I oh, love yeah. I love nerding out on guitar stuff. Oh, me too. And like, I don't, I don't meet a lot of people that are geeks about ESP like you are. And I am. So that's, that's <laughs> really cool for me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I know. That's great. Well, Hey man, when you guys come to Indianapolis, you got to let me know. I'll be there hanging out. Okay. Absolutely. For sure. Cool, man. Well, Hey, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, I will talk to you soon. All right, Chris. Thanks, man. Yep. Talk to you later. 
So there it was, my conversation with Mr. Scott Mellinger from Zayo. I had a wonderful time speaking with Scott, and uh, we got to nerd out a little bit about gear. I'm not a big gearhead, but I do love ESP guitars, so it was a lot of fun talking about that. Uh, anybody out there from ESP, if you listen to this episode, you can go ahead and hit me up for my address and send me a free guitar. I totally won't argue with that. Um, but yeah, so next week on the show, I have Mr. Anthony Boza. Anthony is a New York Times best-selling author. He has written books with Tommy Lee from Motley Crue, Eminem, Fleetwood Mac. He wrote a book with Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac. Uh, also Slash from Guns N' Roses. I mean, this guy has done it all, and uh, you guys are really going to enjoy my conversation with Anthony next week. The week after that... I have a crazy guest. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. Mr. Matt Pinfield, host of 120 Minutes on MTV. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, it's crazy. I get to actually talk to Matt Pinfield. I'm going to tell him so many bands that he got me into that I'm still into to this day back when I was, you know, in high school. I remember my dad would always say about my high school band, he's like, you need to get Matt Pinfield to like your band and then you guys are set. So I'm pretty excited to talk to Matt. So I hope you guys will subscribe. If you're a first time listener, cause you like Zayo, this isn't just a punk rock thing. We talk to metal bands. We talk to authors. We talk to uh, as many different people as you can imagine. So please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or Google podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts. Leave us a review. Like I said, I read a review earlier on the show. Um, if you really enjoy the show and you can financially do it, some people can't, of course, but there's a million ways to help the show. If you want to pledge $5 a month to help the show, go to our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T podcast. And, you know, I had some time to look into it and D-Dubs, our new patron, his name is actually, here I'm going to look at my phone right now to see. His name is David Wilkins. So thank you so much, David, for being a patron. And I hope that some of you guys out there, if you enjoy the content and you want to help us out, go ahead and check out the Patreon. If not, leave us a review. That helps as well. Or just tell a friend. Just anything you can do to help us grow the show, I would really appreciate it. I'm going to get out of here because it's super late, but I will tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave you guys with a really cool song from Zayo. I was trying to find their most recent song. And I think this is their most recent song. Uh, you know, if I'm wrong about this, please let me know and I'll put it in like the corrections or whatever. But, uh, this song is called hide from the light. So thank you so much for coming back week in and week out. I really appreciate it. And, uh, here it is Zayo with hide from the light. See ya.
Ready for a head-bangingly good time? Dive into the world of heavy metal with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Here, we don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews, exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard metalhead or just curious, join our family and let the headbanging begin with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Welcome.